0: Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped through the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. And now for this week's message you have notes when you came this morning or there is also a QR code on the bulletin, you just scan that and the notes come up that way, you can do that. Uh, As uh, we also record the messages, they're up on podcast and especially as we're going through this series on purpose, we're building on them each week, so if you missed last week or the week prior... You kind of need that as a building block for where we are today, so go back, review that. Uh, Sometimes you need to hear it a couple times before it really gels in our heart. And uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through His Word, through His messenger. I am not the teacher here this morning. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. That takes the pressure off of me and puts all the pressure on Him because He will do the work. I don't have to do the work. He does the work. He, He uses a very finite vessel, but He is able to do that. And He'll speak to you this morning if we have ears to hear. You could have all kinds of things that might distract you this morning, and I just encourage you to close the files. Uh, I, had a, I made a startling discovery on my iPhone. I don't know if you've discovered this, but I was my battery was going down really, really quick. And uh, I was sharing that with somebody, and, uh, and they said, oh, let me see your phone. So they took my phone, and they just double-clicked on the bottom, and I had all these applications were open. And they said, you know what, you have to close those. That's why your battery's being drained some of you just got to realize why your battery was dead. And so I went along and I just closed all those and I found out that if I closed them, I had more energy. And this morning, if you just go and close all those other files you have open, you'll have more energy to hear the message this morning. All right. So take a moment to do that. Click, 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 click. Just click those other apps and shut them off and have one app open, which is your God app this morning. And uh, you'll, you'll hear more and God will be able to speak to you. So let's pray and ask him to do that today. Father, we thank you for your amazing Word. It has stood the test of time. A lot of people have set out to disprove it, to discredit it, but it keeps being resurrected up as a number one seller in the world. And so we love Your Word. It is inspired. You said, my words are spirit and they're life. We're a spiritual being, so we simply pray today, Holy Spirit, that You would teach us by Your Spirit We've come to hear, and would you speak to us what we need to hear this morning that we might leave this morning, encouraged, built up, and equipped for life? We ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, a couple of things we just need to review from last week to build off this. I'm not going to go through all of it, of course. Just a couple of things. Last week we talked about purpose being discovered. Really important that we discover our purpose, and that's what we went through last week was just to discover it. The first week we talked about defining what is purpose. Now, we are designed by God for something unique. There is a universal purpose for all of us. We have a universal purpose. We're designed. We come from the factory with a certain design, if you like. We're created by our Creator in a certain way. A couple ways that we're created. Now, humanity is is created to worship. If you go around the world and you just study whether it be a tribe, a culture, whatever, they worship something. There was something that they was worshiping or someone they were worshiping, but there's something inside of us that just craves worship, and we worship something. You can worship money. You could worship an idol. You could worship a thing. You can worship God, but we're designed to worship. Now, ultimately, we're designed to worship God. This is why Jesus came, is so that we could be restored to fellowship, our sins forgiven, that we could have a worshiping, loving relationship with our Father. So we're designed to worship. We all are designed for that. That's why we're here. That's our purpose, is to worship. Another key thing that we have been designed for and purposed is to walk in love. You're designed to run on love. You're not designed to run on anger. Bitterness, unforgiveness, envy, jealousy, etc. If you try to have that as your operating system, you're going to crash and burn and things are going to break down on you. your health will break down on you. Health officials will tell you that a lot of people in our hospital today is because they're running on the wrong operating system. and they're operating on unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, so forth, and their marriages are crashing, their health is crashing because of it. God designed us to run on love. God is love. And we are designed to run on love. He comes into our heart. We have the love operating system within us. So that's another purpose. Third purpose that we talked about that we all have, and that is we're designed for family. We are the human family, of course, but there's also this physical family that we're designed for. We shared last week, people that don't have a healthy physical family often really struggle with their identity and their purpose in life. A simple study... Uh, Those in British Columbia that are in foster care will prove that to you really quick. So we're designed for physical family, but we're also designed for a spiritual family. And actually, our spiritual family outlives our physical family. We'll have our spiritual family forever. And Paul said every person... Or like a physical body, every joint supplies. My thumb supplies something. My ear supplies something. We all supply something. We all have a purpose in this spiritual family. So those are three big things that we've all been designed for. Now, here was the big idea from last week. If you work in those three, surrender to God, worship Him, operate in love, understand you're part of a physical and spiritual family, know that you're designed for that, and if you kind of submit to that or welcome and embrace that, what happens is your unique purpose will come to the surface. When you're part of something bigger, you'll often find, here's where I fit. If you live your life, it's all about me and what I can get, my agenda, my goals, my stuff, my money, me, me, me. It's very difficult. to You, You can't find your purpose. It's impossible. Jesus said, unless you lose your life, you will not find your life. So, when we surrender to Him, get lost in Him, that's it. This is it. This is my purpose, my design. Everything in this world has a purpose and design. God's designed everything, every bird, every animal. Everything has a unique purpose and place, a unique function. The fact that you're here this morning is proof that you have a purpose right now for history. Right now, you're right on time the right place, the right time, and you are so needed right now, your purpose. We need your purpose, and you're designed for something very specific. Before we can have vision, you first must know purpose. Uh, I can pick on this guitar or I can pick on this piano, but I'll take the guitar for now. I don't know whose guitar this is. I don't play bass guitar, but uh, I don't. Anyhow, this thing is, is, this is designed for music, correct? When whoever designed this guitar, it is a, a Squire, a Squire guitar made by Fender. Okay, so it's made by Fender. Somebody had a purpose in mind for a guitar. And so the purpose was that this thing would make music, correct? That's the purpose of it. So from purpose, it was a bass guitar. The purpose was to create a stringed instrument that would make music. From there came design. The, the neck was designed, the frets were designed, and everything. The design came out of purpose. Likewise, your design came out of your purpose. Now, once we have purpose established, this is what I'm designed for. So, there's my giftings, there's my calling, there's my talents, there's my experience. All that comes into your purpose. Out of that now can come vision. So from this, I can say the vision for the guitar is to be part of the coastal worship team. It's going to be used for, for that. that. That purpose establishes a vision for what it'll be used for. If I took this guitar and used it for something else, if I used it as a, as a crowbar, as a wedge, you know, that, that would be a bad thing to use the guitar for because it's not designed for that. It would be a lousy thing for it to be doing. We are created with a purpose in mind. And we are also have a vision that goes with that. The first thing we have to get in place is, here's my design, here's my purpose. From there, we can establish our vision. Last week, we mentioned that one of our people in our life group had said, growing up in Rwanda, they came to Canada, and they were told in the Canadian school, and I've said this myself to others, I said, what they told him was, you can be anything you want to be. And he came to realize, that's a lie. You can't be anything you want to be. The guitar can't be anything it wants to be. What it has to be has to line up with what it was designed to do. He said, I was struggling for a while because I thought, well, here I'm in Canada. I can be anything I want to be. No, I can only be, my vision can only be what lines up with the way I'm designed, my purpose. Now, God doesn't hide it from you. He, he wants you to discover it. He wants you to find, oh, this is it, because you have a purpose for His in big scheme. You have a unique purpose. Of course, we have these things we all have in common, but there's this unique purpose, a role that we play in the grand scheme of things, and God will show that to you, reveal that to you. Uh, and so, that was last week's message. Today, we're going to talk about the vision part, and that too, God wants to give to us. He wants us to understand that. I have there in your notes that purpose determines design, which determines vision. That's basically what we were saying here. Vision Can be defined as an unusual competence and discernment or perception, intelligent foresight. This is just out of the dictionary definition of vision. Vision is seeing something that's down the road. God has a vision for our life. He has a purpose, and out of that purpose flows vision. There's something that we can do. Now... As we've been talking about this in life groups and small groups, one of the conversations that's come up is that sometimes it seems like we have a vision for a season of our life, and then we go along, and all of a sudden, there's a a new vision for a new season, but the purpose always stays the same. We're going to look at the life of Joseph in a little bit. Joseph went through different chapters of his life. But his purpose always stayed the same. He had a vision when he was serving his dad. He had a vision when he was serving Potiphar. He had a vision, vision when he was in jail. He had a vision when he was serving Pharaoh. And, uh, but his purpose, all his design always stayed the same. One of the fellows, I don't think he's here this morning, but he's an inspiration to me. He's in my life group, and he, he's in his 80s. And uh, Billy, has uh, he's in a new chapter of his life. He's been retired for a while. And uh, some people, when they retire, they just kind of sit back and kind of just wait to die. That's not Billy. Billy is full of life, and we have people in our life group that are 20s and somebody in their 80s, and Billy inspires me. I said, Billy, I want to be like you when I'm 80. He's he's got fresh vision for his life, and uh, he was struggling. What do I do now? His companies were finished with that season of his life, and I admire him because In this season of life, he took his purpose, his giftings, his abilities, his talents, and he said, what do I do with it? And now he's working in the funeral industry. He's a great singer. He's a crooner. So he sings a song, and he drives the funeral uh, uh, car. What do we call that? The... The hearse. He drives the hearse and then he also does the service. He has a gift for communication. He has a gift to sing. He loves people. He's been in the hospitality industry most of his life. He ran restaurants. He ran a yacht club. And, and now in this season of his life, he still has vision, but it all connects back to his purpose. He says, I never thought I'd be doing this. He says, I love it. I'm so excited that I get to do this. I'm thrilled to be able to do it. And that's the way it should be in our life, that God gives us vision as we go along. There was a season where He wrestled with it. Now, it's thrilling for me to see somebody in that season of their life so fulfilled and excited. And, you know, it's reflected. One of the ways that it comes through is we have people, like I said, in in their 20s in our life group. They love hanging around him because he's got life going. There's something happening. And I think a sign of vision is that people are interested in you because what you're doing with your life. And so all that to say is that vision, again, is related to our purpose. And as we go through life, purpose will always stay the same. Uh, as we go through chapters of life, God will give us fresh vision, fresh things to be doing with our life. Vision will inspire our goals and strategies. Sometimes we get it backwards. New Year's comes along, my New Year's resolution. We make these resolutions. We wonder why we don't keep them because we've just made a resolution. My bigger question for you, well, what's your purpose? You've made a New Year's resolution, but who are you? What are you designed to do? Does it correspond with the goal you made? See, it should be understand purpose Set vision, then from there, set strategies, goals, measurements, priorities, etc. It even will affect the way you choose your companions. But we have to do first things first in order for this to work. Um, And knowing it will give you a lot of confidence and bold vision. Visions carried out by faith, make no doubt about it, visions carried out by faith. Hebrews 11.1, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Give substance to what you hope for. Give substance to your vision, the evidence of things not seen. Here's a verse, Habakkuk chapter 2. We have to include this verse when we talk about vision. It's a great verse. Habakkuk, in the first chapter, he's actually been kind of complaining about some things, and then God speaks to him here, and he asks him to write the vision. I don't have verse 1 in there, but it says that he stood on the wall and he peered. He looked into the future. He stood there and he looked. You know, there's a time where we just need to get away with God and say, God, here is, I know, what you've put inside me. I know you've given me these gifts, these abilities, and I know I have purpose. What am I to do with it? And it says that he stood on the wall and he peered. He looked ahead and he said, what is it? And, he, and as he looked, as he, as he waited there, God revealed it to him. And God will do the same with your life. You're not here by accident today. You're not in Vancouver by accident today. God's got something great for you. And often, or usually, or maybe always, it's bigger than what we think it could be. Because if it was something that we just think we could do, how many know that wouldn't take a lot of faith? But God puts something bigger inside of you because it takes faith to do it. So now we read verse 2, where it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. They were way ahead of their time. <laughs> make it plain. Put it they could have said, you know, the new version is write the vision and put it on your iPad. That he who runs may run and read it. Okay. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. You're gonna get there. But the vision is for an appointed time. You'll get there. At the end it will speak. It will speak. Note that word. We'll come back to it. It will not lie. Sometimes you think, oh, this is just a lie. This was just an idea I had. And he said, no, no, no. Write the vision. Why do we have to make sure that we write it? Because in life, as we're headed toward that vision, towards that destination, towards that destiny, stuff happens in life, and you're thinking, that was just a crazy dream, a crazy idea. That was just a lie. He said, no, write it down, because there will be times you're wondering, should I have even done this? And it's not a lie. Keep running. Keep going. Keep pursuing. Don't, don't give up. It, it was not a lie. Though it tarries, and it will tarry, it, there, there's this waiting process. There's this pursuing. There's perseverance that goes with it. Wait for because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It's going to arrive. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. And here's this verse that's used a number of times in Scripture, but the just shall live by his faith. It's by his faith that will be lived. Coming back to that word speak, because when we write the vision, we want to get it in front of us. At the end, it will speak. And that word speak is an interesting word in the Hebrew because it means to puff or to blow with a breath of air to kindle a fire. You ever start a fire and you, and you get just a little flame down there? And what do you do? You get down there, right? And you just put a little oxygen on it, and then pretty soon that, that, that fire gets going. And sometimes you got to get down there again and fan the flames, and you even had those things, the bellows by the old fireplace, you, you wanted to put some oxygen on it. When you write your vision and make it plain, every time you see that, it puts oxygen on the vision for your life. And it's so important that something is speaking to you. Something is reminding you of where you're going with your life. God will grant you the desires of your heart. There's a verse, I don't have it in your notes, but you can write it down on the side. Psalm 37:4 says, "Take delight in the Lord." That goes back to that big point we had last week, surrendering to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, take delight in the Lord, worship him. We're designed for that. Out of that again comes purpose. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, I take delight in the Lord. I desire a Mercedes uh, 500 series. Lord, can you please? Or I desire a, you know, a holiday. Or a... No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Delight in the Lord. He'll give, he will download what's best for you into your heart. It'll become your desire. Take delight in the Lord. And he, he puts those desires in your heart. What's that? That's vision. He, he puts it in there. Now, when he's put it in there... You need to write it down, make it plain, put it in front of you to remind you of where you're going. This is clearly what he tells Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain, put it in front of you, that when you see it, you, it will, it's so simple, it can remind you, you can run towards it. And every time you see that, it's like, whoosh, whoosh, you'll put oxygen on it and you'll keep going and that vision will come to pass. What's your vision today? what's in front of you what's written down what's reminding you of where you're going a number of years ago i was in in uh, bethlehem and doing uh, my studies there and we had to visit a well, i didn't get to had to we had the privilege of visiting a church in bethlehem and bethlehem when we went to visit this time wasn't like the first time i went to visit the first time I went to visit there was no wall and now they have the wall there and it was very different and we went to visit bethlehem And, uh, you know, a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters have left Bethlehem. They've just, the Palestinian Christians are gone, and it's been a a very hard place to be a Christian. It really has been. And they have been there since the day of Pentecost, and uh, these Palestinian believers, and and, uh, just wonderful saints. And so we went to visit a church there. And if you go to Bethlehem, I encourage you to go see it. It's called the Christmas Church. Not hard to forget. It's a Lutheran church, evangelical Lutheran church. And we went to see it, kind of tucked away down the street, beautiful church. And you walk in, and kind of like this building, it takes you by surprise how big it is when you get inside. And it was beautiful. I was surprised how, how excellent everything was, how clean and full of life and vibrant it was. And I was so intrigued. I said, I want to hear your story. What is this all about? And so, uh, Pastor Dmitri Rahab, the pastor there, just an amazing leader. What he has done there inspires me. You talk about a vision in a hard place. He, he, he's in a difficult place, but he's had a vision for that place. I think they're now one of the biggest employers in Bethlehem. They have a spa, they have a college, they have a, a center for disadvantaged youth, and that's what caught my eye, the way they were helping the youth. It's, it had been on our heart for some time, and what we could do more in our city to help the disadvantaged youth in our city, how we could be more preventative in, what, in crime and so forth in our city. And had been on our heart for quite a while. And as I went in there, he told the story of 2002 when they were uh, it, Bethlehem was under siege. Their, their building had been occupied. The army came in used their building as a post, and a lot of things got destroyed. And it was re- very challenging for them. After it was over, they were recovering. There was broken glass and everything. And he said, God, what do we do with this? And the youth were so... So restless and so angry and a lot of poverty there. And so he did something very inspiring. He said, Youth, I want you to go out there and I want you to pick up all the glass you can find and bring it to the church. Bring buckets of glass. And they go, What's this for? He said, just go get the glass. So they went out there and they picked up all these broken pieces of glass and they brought them to the church in buckets. He said, They said, What are we gonna do with that? He said, we're going to do something different. We're going to make art out of it. So they took all that glass, and you could buy doves and crosses and so forth made from the broken glasses. And, and the message, we'll take the brokenness and we'll make something beautiful out of it. And then they, t- they took those children, and, they, and these were kids that had, they were restless. They were in poverty. It was, it was a bad scene. They were throwing rocks and like you'd see on the, on the news and so forth, they were, it was, it was, they were a tough crowd. But he used the arts to bring them in to release the anger that was in them. They, 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 could, they could express it through the arts. And so he used this to do that. And then he also taught them pottery. He taught them music. He taught them how to use a camera, video editing, and all the rest of it. And today they have a school just for the children. And they've transformed the community by doing that. So I went through there, and I bought this little piece of pottery. It's not much. It's just this little dish that I bought there. It was made by them and I I keep it out in front of me all the time. And because then that day, God put a vision, a desire in my heart. That is, we would build a center in our city that would help disadvantaged youth. And of course, if you've been around the church, you've heard about VANCAT, the Center of Arts and Technology. And that's where it was birthed. It was birthed in Bethlehem. I think Jesus was born in Bethlehem, if I remember correctly. And so, it was a good (laughs) place for something to be birthed. And uh, so, this idea was birthed there. And I bought this little uh ceramic plate made by those students and i just keep it out in front of me it's not much it was not a lot very expensive but it's my reminder of where i'm going it's what i keep in front of me to say, this is where i'm going this is what i wrote it down i made a plane in front of me that in vancouver we will have a center like that that helps disadvantaged youth And it's good to write something down or put something in front of you that always reminds you. Put scriptures in front of you. This is where I'm going. Put a picture in front of you. This is where I'm going. Put something in front of you that reminds you of God's promises that He will fulfill. There's a verse that we're going to memorize. It's at the end of your notes. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 that we can be confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, back in Bethlehem, He began that work, He's going to finish that work. And I keep this up there to remind myself that God's going to finish the work that He began in my life. We've done that for other things in our life, I remember when I was driving one time from Gull Lake, Saskatchewan, to Shonovan, Saskatchewan. If you're from Saskatchewan, you know those are two little towns. I'm driving along there, and I was working in the oil industry, and this idea just dropped into my heart. There's this desire to start our own oil company. And I argued with God because the idea was too big for me. I said, God, it's too big. There's no way I could ever start an oil company. I don't have the money. i got a growing family. I don't have what it takes. I knew that it would take about $500,000 to buy the mineral rights, another $500,000 to get a drilling rig, and then if you hit oil, you would have oil. So, there's a million dollars, and I didn't have a million dollars. I said, God, how in the world could this even be possible that I'd ever be able to do this? But, but God, right? But God. So, I just started meditating on the promises. He dropped a vision into my heart make a long story short, there was a company that was selling a well that wasn't doing very good. We bought it, worked it over. Uh, worked it over means we put a rig on it and fixed it, got it pumping oil. And uh, I remember that sound. It was a sweet... It was a big risk. We put all the money we had in to buy it. They sold it to us at a discount because it wasn't operating but uh, me and my geologist friend, we were smart enough to know how to fix it. We knew the area very well. The pipeline was only a little ways away. It was clean oil. We didn't have to take the water out of it. And uh, it ran off its own natural gas. We didn't have to put electricity there. The, the motor, was, it was a self-sufficient pump and so all the rest of it. And so when, when we got it working and we, we turned the switch and it started going up and down and up and down and and we ran to the tank. You got this oil tank that We ran to the tank, put our ear against the tank. You want to listen for a gurgle. And so I was listening for a gurgle. We listened, we listened, and we listened. And our heart started to faint. And, and, but I just remembered, God, God said, no, it's going to happen. It will come to pass. Though it tarries, wait for it. Have faith. And I'm listening and listening. And sure enough, I heard this gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. Boy, it was a sweet sound, right? And then, you know what I did? You, you know, I still have this to this day. I, I went there, and I opened the tap. And I took a sample of the oil and I put a cap on it. And uh, as I would go and I would work on my company and growing it, every once in a while I'd take off that cap and i just, oh, black gold, Texas tea, you know, I just... <laughs> <laughs> now, and that, that company served us well as we planted the church. It, was, uh, it was supplied us with a, an income and so forth. The day came, God said, sell it because you have a new vision. I want you to take your purpose, your giftings, your talents, and I want you to build church. New vision, new season. Your purpose, your design is the same, but now it is this. So, sell that off. Was, uh, I struggled with it because I thought, oh, this is my safety net. In case this doesn't work, God, then I can fall back on it. I could just go back and drill some more wells, and I can retire fine. I said, no, I want you to sell it. Do you trust me? I said, well, yeah, I trust you, but... <laughs> See, if I... Trust is surrender. If I, if I would say to Alan, Alan, do you mind emptying the trash outside that door after service? I saw it was stacked up as I came in. Would you mind just emptying that? It would look better. And, uh, and then Alan said, yeah, I can do that. But with Alan there, I would say, Harvey, just in case Alan doesn't do that, do you mind taking care of that? What would it do with, with Alan's trust for me? He, he doesn't really trust me. He, he, the Bible says that when, if we don't fully trust God, He shrinks back. Alan would shrink back from me. His relation, that would cause our relationship to shrink back because He doesn't really trust me. When it comes to our trust in God, we have to just fully surrender. So this is what God was asking me. Just let it go. Fully trust me. I'm going to be with you. And, he, and, of course, He has. Now, in this season here, we again put something in front of us, verses in front of us, that remind us of our destination. And in your faith, what you're believing for, there should be something that you keep in front of you, like it says here in Habakkuk, that reminds you of where you're going. So, let me ask you a question this way, maybe a hard question, maybe a soul-searching question. What is written down? What is in front of you? It may be a simple object, something like this. This vision has yet to come to pass, but we've done feasibility. We're in planning stage. We're getting there. It's, It's hard work, hard miles, hard yards, but we're getting there. What's in front of you that reminds you of the vision that God put in your heart? And if you're not there, you say, well, I don't know what the vision is. Then it comes back to our purpose, our design. God, this is what you've made me for. And I ask God, show me, reveal to me what you'd have me to do with my life. Very important. All right. Boy, our time is going by really quick here, and we've got to get to, we've got to, get to some more points. By the way, this is what God did for Abraham. Abraham showed, God showed Abraham the stars. He says, if you want to see your vision, look at the stars. That's how big your, your nation is going to be. Look at the stars. Zechariah, remember Zechariah says, not by my power or strength, but by my spirit. Then the next verse says, who are you, O great mountain? And then God tells Zechariah, go get the capstone. Set it in front of you. The capstone was the last piece that they put in place. Get that out there in front of you as a reminder that you will build the whole thing and you'll put the capstone on. Sometimes you have to have a picture of the capstone, that final piece, because, yes, I will put the capstone up. That's a word for somebody here this morning. You will put the capstone on. You will put the final piece in place. Get a picture of it. Remind yourself, I will make it. By the grace of God, by faith, I'm going to make it there. Can somebody say amen this morning? All right. We are going to talk about vision as a reflection of both purpose and core values. When you have purpose you'll see it showing up in your core values. And an example of this is a guy by the name of Joseph. Joseph is a great example of somebody who knew his purpose, his design. He was designed for pretty, pretty uniquely. He's designed to lead if you study his life, right? He, he, he was a leader because he, he was an administrator. He was a manager. Something interesting about Joseph, Joseph was never the number one guy. He was not number one. When he worked in Potiphar's house, he was not number one when he was in jail. He was underneath the leadership of the jail. He was not number one even when he was in Egypt. Pharaoh was number one. He was underneath Pharaoh. So he was never the number one guy. Again, that's for somebody this morning. You may think, well, if I just got to be president, or if I was CEO, or if I was the captain, then I would be fulfilled. We're not all called to be captains. We're not all called to be presidents. He wasn't the number one guy, but he was totally fulfilled in what he was called to do. Likewise, we can be totally fulfilled in the position that we're supposed to be in. He was a manager. He was gifted with some unique things. He was, he could interpret dreams. Uh, if you read chapter 45, he says to his brothers when they come, God has called me to preserve life. He knew one of, his, he, one of his core purposes was to preserve life, and you see that in every chapter of his life. Every chapter of his life, he's administrating, he's managing. Every chapter of his life, he is serving others. There's something about Joseph... One is he, he worships God. He fears God. He's surrendered to God. When he's tempted by Potiphar's wife, he said, I can't sin against God. That's a surrender to God. Again, out of that comes our purpose, our unique purpose. He walks in love. You know, when he's in jail and the butler and the baker come to him and they say, Hey, we've had this dream, and he interprets the dream for them. Something I liked about Joseph in that situation, he's been in jail for a number of years, he's been hard done. He was framed, thrown in jail, not a pretty place to be, but when they come to him, he interprets their dream. He doesn't say, well, you think you got it bad. Yeah, Pharaoh threw you in here, but you know what happened to me? I was framed, and this woman tried to seduce me, and blah, blah, blah. There's no pity part. He just says, I think I can help you. He serves them. He served in Potiphar's house. He serves in the jail. He is what? Not thinking about himself. Love seeks not its own. And if you want your purpose and vision to be fulfilled, this is one of the keys for it. As long as Rick Warren says in his book, Purpose-Driven Life, the first sentence is, it's not about you. And as long as it's about me, very difficult for your purpose to be revealed and for your vision to be fulfilled. So again, vision is a reflection of both purpose and core values. Every company will have a mission statement, which is Purpose. It'll have a vision statement, where we're going, our destination, usually as a time period, it's measurable, yours can be too, and then from that, they also have core values. Uh, we could list different examples, you know, a core value of integrity, a core value of listening, a core value of embracing, or whatever it is, they have core values. Joseph had core values. He had a core value of worshiping God, he had a core value of serving, he had a core value of, of uh Honoring his employer, you see these core honor was one of his core values, and we see that coming through in the decisions that he had to make. Where there is vision, people will persevere. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, there in your notes says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." Just changing it to the positive, where there is vision, people will not perish. Where you have vision, you will persevere. Joseph could have perished, correct? I mean he. He was thrown into the pit. His brothers were extremely jealous of him, and uh, he told them he had a dream. I don't know if it was the wisest way he told his dream to his brothers, but anyhow, he was pretty young, 17, pretty ambitious, told his dream, it ticked them off, and they threw them he, they threw him into this empty pit, usually would be filled with water that he was thrown into there. They didn't like him because he, he was a tattletale, they thought. But really, when I look at Joseph's life, I, I, don't, I don't think he was a tattletale. I, I think he was just, it was his purpose, his design was coming out. He, he went back to his dad, and it says he gave him a bad report. He's saying, Dad, I took a look at the operation. We're ranchers, and I see some problems. It involves some of the boys here, but we got a problem, and if we want to have a successful ranch, we're going to have to fix this. It's that at 17, his design's coming out. His purpose is coming out. His brothers didn't like it. And so, they throw him into the pit, and he gets sold to Ishmaelites, and they take him as a slave into Egypt. That's a bad day. (laughs) One day, you're the favorite son, you're treated like, you know, the special boy, and the next day, you're a slave. He didn't, get to wa- he didn't get to ride on the nice camel. You're, you, got, you're, you got leg irons on, and you're, and you're led through the desert to another country. You don't know the language. You don't know the food. You don't know the culture. You're put on an auction block, and then the highest bidder gets you. You're a slave. That is the bottom of the totem pole. So my question is, will purpose and vision keep you in that situation? Because you could feel like, man, I'm at the bottom. I am. I've been... I don't know where else to go. I got nowhere but up to go. Will purpose and vision bring you, preserve you? Yes. And that's where he was. He's thrown into this situation. He gets sold to, to Potiphar. It says in the Scriptures that when Potiphar saw what he was doing, the way he ran the operation, the way he served, God's favor was on him. His purpose, his design was coming out. Now, if it would been all about him, And if he wasn't operating in this principle of putting others first, his vision, his purpose would not have surfaced there. But he served Potiphar with honor. And some of us in our places where we work, this is a lesson for us because you don't have it worse than Joseph did. Uh, and if you go say, what can I do to improve the company? What can I do to make this place better? If that was your attitude, what could I do? How many more hours could I work instead of how many less hours can I work? Instead of what can I get out of it, it's what can I give to it. This was his attitude. He went in there with that. And pretty soon Potiphar says, hey, I'm going to put you in charge of everything. You're in charge of the animals. You're in charge of the f- other slaves. You're in charge of everything. Uh, just, you know. I got my wife here, that's not yours, and, uh, and but other than that, you, you get to run it. Now, the problem was his wife, some say that Potiphar, because he was chief of police, he was captain of the guard, he may have been a eunuch. We're not sure. Some say he was and some say he wasn't. That may have been problem part of his wife's problem. I don't know. But anyhow, she had eyes for Joseph. It says Joseph was a very handsome man. He's only one of three Men in the Bible, it says, very good-looking. The other was Absalom and, and David, and then we have Joseph. He was very good-looking. History tells, this is not in the, in the Bible, but history says that Potiphar's wife thought that this was such an amazing, good-looking young guy that she actually invited 40 other women of Egypt the housewives of Egypt, over. And so they all came over and she showed off Joseph to them. And so she had a thing for Joseph and she tries to seduce Joseph. It says repeatedly she came after Joseph. Joseph, come lie with me. Come lie with me. And uh, she was a beautiful Italian, I mean, Italian, Egyptian woman. Get the right country. No offense to Italian this morning. That was just a slip, okay? Egyptian woman. And, uh, and she sets out to seduce him. He's He's uh, still in his teens. He's the same hormone level as anybody else, far away from home. Culturally, it was acceptable. Whatever she would demand, he he was required to do. Who would know? Far from parents. It would have been so easy for him to do. But remember, he had purpose. He had vision. With that came core values. He says, I cannot sin against God. Not just against my boss, I cannot do this thing. Not I shouldn't, I can't do this thing. There's this conviction for me to do this. What kept him? What preserved him in the pit? What preserves him when he was tempted like this? He knew there was something bigger, and if I mess with this, it's going to rob me of the destiny that God has for me. So, knowing your purpose, knowing your provision preserves you in times like that. Uh, A person without restraint is a person who doesn't know their purpose. Uh, we are um, running out of time. That clock stopped. This one didn't. And so, I am back on track. All right. Purpose will preserve your destiny when your achievements are wiped out. His achievement gets wiped out, gets thrown into prison. But in prison, you know what he does? He just, his purpose comes out again. He just begins to serve. There's a saying that says, bloom where you're planted. Ecclesiastes 4.10 puts it this way. Whatever your hand finds to do with, do with all your might. If you have no other takeaway from this morning, here's a simple takeaway. Whatever your hand finds to do this week, do it with all your might. Unless you're purposely running from God, you're probably right in His will. What's God's will for my life? One thing I know for sure what God's will for your life is, whatever your hand finds to do Monday, do it with all your might. That for sure is in His plan. He gets thrown in jail. He just, well, I'm going to be the best Uh, the best inmate they've got. He rises to the top. His gifts again make room for him, ends up running the jail. From there, he interprets dreams. From there, Pharaoh calls him. He interprets Pharaoh's dream, and ends up running the country for Pharaoh. His purpose is, again, showing himself in that chapter of his life. Wow. Okay. Our time has gone by way too quick. Your purpose and vision is secure in Christ. Our last point and uh, the verse that we have there for you, great verse, 2 Timothy 1.12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. God will keep what's committed to him. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.